0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Last week, we were discussing his idea of a supernatural childbirth, or travailing prayer. And we discussed his use of Isaiah 66, 7, and 8. This week we're going to pick up with Galatians 4.19. And just using these couple of passages, he gives many, but the issue is the same. None of them are actually about his teaching on travailing prayer. But to get us started, do you just want to read Galatians 4.19? to us, and then we will discuss how Paul is using travail.
1: Okay. Galatians 4.19, Paul wrote, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, verse 20, but I wish I could be present with you now, change my tone, for I'm very perplexed about you.
0: All right. Well, the passage
1: is about the fact that Paul, as the apostle, had preached to them and they believed the gospel and were born of God. And so he here is discussing the fact that they had these problems, the legalism, the issue of being lawgivers and how they conducted themselves and what sort of terms of fellowship they had. And here he's he's talking about their sanctification. Right. You're only born uh, in a spiritual sense once when you're born of God. Okay. So what he's talking about using a figure of speech is sanctification.
0: Yes. Now Dutch Sheets goes on to say on this next page on 137, Paul couldn't create the new birth or maturity in Galatians, yet Galatians 4.19 implies that his intercession did. Is that even a valid implication of that verse?
1: Well, he's changed topics. Right. Going through a concordance and looking up every time there's anything about childbirth, use it any way, and stringing it all together to create a theology and never stopping to look at any given verse in context to see what the topic is and what the context is. Yes. This is not a good way. To teach. This is not a good way to learn the Bible.
0: Right. And so then Paul, you know, laboring in prayer for them or in teaching them, because he's concerned about their sanctification, that doesn't mean his prayer brings it about.
1: Well, his point was, travailing was how you get people saved that were lost. Okay. Recovered down.
0: Yeah. And really, so last week we talked about this Isaiah 66, 7, and 8, and he uses that to claim that this travail brought forth the birth. But Isaiah 66, 7 says, before she travailed, she brought forth, speaking of Zion.
1: Well, here's what's going on continually. How can so many errors happen in one book? Failure to ever consider authorial intent In your reading. Yes. And when the reader is reading his or her ideas into the text and not doing any hard work to understand what the author intended, that's just not valid reading. Right. And if one of us wrote a letter to somebody and they did that to our letter, we'd be appalled. Right. Yeah, because they would never get what we're trying to say.
0: We can't get the meaning by jumping around here and there looking for key words.
1: Yeah, so if you write a few pages, and well, you said this word here, and you said this word over here. So I assume you mean, and when in fact you were writing about something entirely different. Yes. Now, if we wouldn't do that to one of our friends writing us a letter, why is it appropriate to do it to a biblical writer?
0: Exactly. It's not.
1: No, it's it's terrible. It's terrible hermeneutics. In fact, thinking about this, I would say what we have here is a contrived theology searching for a proof text.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to say it.
1: Start with the idea that this is the way I want it to be, and then I'll look around and find something that'll make it that way. But yeah. it really is not that way, and it wasn't that way In the times of the apostles. Yes. That's not how it happened. Right. And so I did a little work here since our last recording and looked at some of the claims and looked at what the scriptures say. I've been teaching through Acts for quite a while now, and I study Acts a lot, still teaching in Acts. How was it that anyone was saved in Acts? Did anybody travail, and create a birthing prayer and where whole cities saved all at once? No. No, not at all. In fact, it's not even hard to understand because it's very clear in Luke Acts what the Great Commission is, what Jesus commanded them to preach and teach, what they did preach and teach, which is repentance for forgiveness of sins, and that the multitudes aren't going to be saved but the ones who do believe and repent. Yes. The idea that you can have this massive birthing because you learn a secret, and he goes on to tell that we release the Spirit to go do certain things. That's not the biblical pattern. Right. And it wasn't up to the apostles to dream up what they needed to do. It was instructed by Jesus Christ himself before the ascension. So Jesus laid it out. Okay. So why not consult that? How does any Christian teacher have a right to ignore what Jesus said and taught, Was clearly taught, how people are saved, what's revealed in Scripture, and just go on these tangents all over the place? Yes. It's frustrating your reading. Where did that come from? Where did this come from? That's why I think this is an accurate description. Personally, or maybe there's a bunch of people teaching this sort of thing. I don't know. I know it's typical in some circles, but you have a contrived theology based on somebody's story and trying to explain your story and looking for a proof text for it. Yes. Why not start with the text and study the scripture and understand what God said And then gain your belief system from Scripture alone, not from fanciful stories that you heard either first or second or third hand and come up with this birthing analogy. Right. Which we already showed doesn't really uh, uh, account for what the Scriptures say about the Holy Spirit causing people to be born again. So what what do we know? What is it that... God has commanded us to do. Reach the gospel. Well, let me just read it. Luke twenty-four. This is after the resurrection, before the ascension. Okay. Luke Acts. We said it many times. There's only one Acts. There's no Acts twenty-nine, and Luke Acts is a two-volume work by the same writer, Luke, who was a traveling companion of Paul. Luke's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote Luke. Acts. okay okay hey. uh dear listeners you can do this you can read look x right you don't have to rely on these fanciful ideas so you know, what happened after the resurrection of our lord his appearance the road to emmaus what did he say luke 24 46 he said to them thus it is written that the christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, which had already happened. Then verse 47, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? Verse 49, Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So they know what they're to do. Repentance for forgiveness of sin. I'm preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the way. Every single message preached by an authoritative preacher, whether it's an apostle or someone else, contains the resurrection. Yes. Every last one. The When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, Peter got up, cited scripture, and preached on the resurrection. Okay. And the witnesses to this. So um, it's not that they discovered some birthing principle. Yes. By some of these things about hovering and brooding and birthing. That's esoteric fanciful, reading things into the text. This is straightforward, black and white. Here is what happened. Here's what you're to do. Here's what God's going to do. And so it's not complicated. Okay. So repentance or forgiveness, forgiveness, release from sins. Yes. The thing that's keeping people from eternal life is they're still dead in their sins. Right. The Holy Spirit, when He comes upon people in the Bible, they preach Christ. Yes. And we've demonstrated that many times, and there's a video on that and so on. We just go through the passages. Okay. So when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. That God was fulfilling scripture.
0: Yes. And now, in Dutch sheet system, it would almost have to be that the people there for Pentecost had to somehow release the Holy Spirit. And he says, so page 137, he says it a, a couple of times. Therefore, anything we might accomplish in intercession that results in a birthing would have to be something that causes or releases the Holy Spirit to do it. Right. Farther down, it seems fairly obvious that our prayers must in some way cause or release the Holy Spirit to do so. Well, who releases the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, that's, we just read about it. Yeah. We just read about it. And I thought about that too. And so I did some research. I remembered in theology, there was a big debate about the Philok okay clause. Okay you have to
0: define that for us.
1: I'll have to define it. It's Latin and the Son. Okay. And so at the split between Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, there was a debate about if just the Father sends the Holy Spirit or the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so when I was reading the section for what we're covering today from his book, this is uh, book by Dutch sheets i thought this this is way out to... so they debate whether the father sends the spirit and the son spends the spirit the bible says that both okay we believe in the trinity yes we believe the holy spirit is god and so i just read in um luke that I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you and you are to stay in the city until you're with power from on high. So the promise of the father is the Holy spirit. Yes. Jesus is sending the promise of the father. Yes. So this is what the Bible says. So in church history, they debated whether just the father, the father and the son, but it's pretty clear. It's both. Right Now, This uh, Dutch Jesus is in some, what land is he in? What world is he in? Yes. That's the whole point. It's it's as if we send the Spirit.
0: Right. It's uh, something that causes or releases the Holy Spirit to do it. Well, is the Holy Spirit bound? And if so, by whom? I mean, the whole thing. Uh,
1: This is very, very alarming. Very, very bad. What about the poor Christian who is concerned about their children, lost relatives, friends they're working with, co-workers, their community, whatever it is that's our concern? Yes. What are we to think? Rather than preaching the gospel, the repentance for forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in his name starting from jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth and believing the promise that god will use the means that he's ordained to bring salvation which is preaching christ in the gospel Mm -hmm. is something we can do and we know that the holy spirit convicts the world of sin righteousness and judgment we know that from john uh, the gospel of john We also know the holy spirit testifies about christ
0: yes if
1: we're really anointed by the spirit as he's suggesting we need to be which all christians are we'll preach christ okay so going into this uh, mystical releasing the spirit to be a birthing agent what's that got to do with preaching the gospel
0: right nothing and and honestly we all have family members that we want to see saved, and, and we pray for them. But this puts more responsibility on us than what Scripture gives us. Our responsibility is to be the messenger and to preach the gospel. Right,
1: God will save sense. who he's going to save, in but the, it's not yeah. our
0: job to travail and bring forth their spiritual birth.
1: I totally agree. And... It's our job to avoid offenses as much as possible. Yes. And we we don't want to preach ourselves. Right. Because if we're preaching ourselves, we're likely to let somebody down. Okay. Also, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your bondservants. Yes. Okay. So the Lord's bondservants aren't perfected yet, but God is perfect. And his gospel is true. And God cannot lie. So think about this. What if you believe the Great Commission? I do. And right. you believe that we've been told the terms of the gospel and we've been charged to preach Christ and call people to repentance and ask God to be at work in our lives so that we're not an offense. Okay? Okay. And then with all of that, There's still people out there that aren't saved. Yeah. Well, it's always been the case. Right. And if we're to think that every time there's still unsaved people that we care about, that's proof that we failed and we don't know the secret to the birthing, travailing process. What will happen, and it does happen, is well-meaning, godly Christians will end up with a pile of guilt. Right. And they'll think they failed. They'll think it's their fault. Their loved ones aren't saved. And the people, the apostles and prophets and the glorious people that have the grand move of God and the things that they're claiming. They have their meetings and revivals and all this stuff happening. They love to dump the guilt on us ordinary Christians. Right. Okay. You didn't do it well enough. Well, I lived through that already. Yep. And we've said this again and again. They seem to be totally unconcerned about the dear saints who end up at the end of their life thinking they failed God because still people they know aren't saved. Read all these stories. Look at these stories. Where's my story? Yeah. Well, I do have stories. But I don't talk about it like this because I don't want anybody to think I know something they don't.
0: Right. And God needs to get the glory every time.
1: We have people that contact us and who came to Christ, even from these broadcasts. Yes. And uh, didn't realize that they hadn't really heard the true gospel. They were going by the stories and the feelings and metaphysical impressions or whether they needed a curse broken. But I'm not going to say, well, see, look how great we are. We have. If anybody's rescued, praise God, give him the glory. Yeah. So create these stories that makes it appear that they have some secret we don't have. Right. That you couldn't ever find in the scripture unless you have a real vivid imagination. Okay. okay. Well, as I said, a theology looking for a proof text. And then you think preaching Christ, declaring the terms of salvation, and putting it in God's hands must have been a miserable failure. Right. And that is not true. And you know what happens when people realize what the Bible does say, and that most people aren't going to be saved no matter what we do, because the Bible predicts that. Right. Okay. And what we need to know is, did we warn, did we declare, did we preach Christ, and did we call people to trust in him?
0: Exactly. He says here on page 137, Understanding then that it is the Holy Spirit's power actually doing the work, I want to say unequivocally that there is a prayer that births. No, there is a message the Gospel that needs to go out. And, as he says, he is correct, the Holy Spirit actually does the work, but it's not the prayer. It's the message of the Gospel being preached, and God who saves
1: well, the book of Acts is a lot clearer than these contrived theologies,
0: yes, in
1: one point, and Lucas certainly lays out in Luke acts the sovereignty of God,
0: absolutely.
1: One passage says, after it was preaching happened, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed.
0: Yeah. I What is that? Acts 13.48, I, I think. think something Acts like 13.
1: that. But. Um,
0: in, in the account of Lydia, read, it says the Lord opened her heart to receive
1: the truth. Yeah. Read Acts. Uh, dear listeners, just read Acts. Mm-hmm. And you'll see how things went and what the issues are. Yeah. Sometimes,
0: honestly, really just the plain reading of Scripture is the most helpful. Read Acts, read it all the way through, let it say what it says, and assume it's
1: true. And then, as you do, and I've been working in Luke Acts now for about 20 years because I love it so much. I'm preaching in First Corinthians at the moment, but I'm in Acts 20 and when I teach in Sunday school. But you start seeing repeated themes. There's previews in Luke that show us what's going to happen in Acts. Yes. And in even early in Luke with Simeon, he he prophesies that this will be for the rise and fall of many in Israel. Okay. And what the theme is unexpected people are saved, and the pious who think that they're the great people of God are often left out because they're offended that Jesus eats with sinners. Right. Okay. And that the gate is narrow. But yet the people that end up walking on it are unexpected people, such as lepers that were cleansed, tax gatherers, mm-hmm. um, Gentiles. People had nothing in this world going for them, were rejected by the religious leaders scorned by the pious ones who think they're great, and found and uh, saved, released from sins by Jesus Christ. So it's interesting. I'll I'll point out another one as long as we're talking about this. Okay. One of the movements in America, there's a movie out there now talking about uh, the Jesus people movement, Back in the early 70s? Yes. I haven't seen it. I was there during the movement. I, I certainly know what happened. But somebody, I think it was John Wimber, came along and said, when are we going to do it? Okay. In other words, where's the, we're going to have the miracles, and we're going to do all these things. So the point is, if it didn't happen the way we thought it should, then we failed because we didn't do it. All right. So oh, I heard that at the time and later I thought, God does still does miracles. He's done so many miracles that I've seen. but that's not our calling card. it's God's grace. Right. Okay? We don't just go do it, then it's a natural occurrence that can be caused by known factors that we can engage and make it happen, like putting the the pot of water, On the fire until it boils, you know it's going to boil, right? But God's in charge, you can't control the Holy Spirit by manipulation. That's a good point. And the people that try to do it end up harming a lot of folks. And the what we do know we need to do is preach Christ in the gospel. And if that's been done, and there are still hard hearted people. Who, whether it's children or relatives, or people that grew up in church and they don't want to go, they go off their own way. It's always been that way. Yes. So the faithful servant is the one who faithfully proclaimed the truth. Right. So some in that movement that we're talking about that led into the these apostles of prophets, that's been around for a long time. As I showed in that one article, Jane Lead was a super saint back, whatever, how many hundreds of years ago. Okay. Before the Apostles and Prophets was teaching the same basic idea. Listen, it doesn't work that way. They even say Paul failed in Acts 17 when he preached the Athenians. Wow. I've had and that's a pretty bold them. claim. Well, it's been claimed by folks from Fuller Seminary and others, and I hear it repeated. That is not even close to what Luke is telling us. Okay. In fact, it's dishonoring to what God did. Yes. They're assuming that you got to get results. Okay. And the results better look a certain way. Right. But what Luke does is he uses long speeches of key people in both in Acts. To show what the key points are. Right. So it happens with Paul in Acts thirteen. It happened with Peter in Acts two at Pentecost. It happens with Stephen at his martyrdom, and it happens when Paul the, the longer speech when Paul goes to another group, and it happened which would be in Acts seventeen in the forum of the philosophers. Yes. And that was not a failure. Luke isn't telling us that it's a failure.
0: Well, and how can it ever be a failure when the word of God has gone forth and the gospel's been preached? That's our job. Have we we done that? Then we haven't failed.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, there were some believers there. But what Luke is showing is that Paul could speak to the most brilliant philosophers and show that, their belief system is faulty. Right. Who God is, what he did, and he laid it out there. Yes. I can tell you with assurance, Luke does not portray Paul's speech at Athens as a failure. Right. And the people who say he failed, so then he had to go do signs and wonders because that works. Oh, wow. That is, what a terrible reading. Yep. Because there were some that were saved. It shows the hard-heartedness of the philosophers, not the failure of the gospel.
0: Well, and so what you said there, okay, we're going to go do signs and wonders because that works. Well, actually, Jesus said it doesn't.
1: I know. I was <laughs> looking at that yesterday. In John 5, he healed a layman, and the layman went and turned him in for doing it on the Sabbath. <laughs> right. In John 6, he turns the the the... The, he multiplies the bread and the fish, and he, he does many signs. And they said, well, we want to make you king. Moses gave us bread. What are you going to give us? The bread I give you is is myself, my body for the life of the world. Yes. By the time you read John 6, you go read that one. He did the signs. He did many mighty works. At the end, handful of people following you. Yep. And Jesus said, are you going to go too? Where should we go? Only you have the words of life. Don't let these people, don't let them do this to you. They may sound real colloquial and fun and nice and wonderful stories and look at what God did. In the end, you're living in a different world. Yes. You're living in a fallen world, and so am I. Yep. I have other motives than Uh, We might think the fall is real. And if people are saved, they're saved because they heard about the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, repentance for forgiveness of sins, trusting him alone, and they're born of God. And it's a work of God that he did. It's not the proper use of means. Right. So they were saying, it says in, in John Though he's doing so many signs, they still weren't believing in him. Yes. And guess what they wanted to do next? Kill what? Him. Yeah, that's right. They, Jesus yeah. had brought him
0: back to life, it, and they so, want to kill him again.
1: Yeah, you know, It doesn't work that way. Yes. The wilderness generation saw more signs than anybody. They th- That's referenced. By the way, grumbling is in John 6 as well. So they grumbled. Gan- yeah. the agree. They grumbled in the wilderness. The Septuagint has the same word. Miracle after miracle, the Red Sea parts. Yeah. They walked through there. They see miracles every day. Yeah. They grumbled and they wanted to go back to Egypt. What makes you think this signs and wonders movement, the new apostolic reformation, all this stuff that they promised, birthing, the birthing anointing, we release the spirit. We're going to do that. We're going to learn the secret. It never works. Yes. It always fails. Their decrees fail. Their claims fail. Their stories me, I can't prove, maybe they're real stories. I've got stories too. But stories don't save people, God does through Christ. Oh, right. So I'll tell you this, Paul did not fail at Athens. And someone was trying to say that the other day, came up in a discussion. I said, no, the only ones... Meaning that matters is Luke's, and Luke shows that that was a great speech that Paul gave, and God used it because some people were saved. Is it a failure if a few people are saved?
0: It's not a fail. It's not a failure at any rate. But if anyone is saved, that's a miracle from God.
1: That's a work of God, especially in such a hostile context.
0: Yep. All right, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus.
1: And Bob Way.
0: We'll see you next week.